and welcome to a special bonus episode of 45 Days. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Julia Ritchie. The legislature has been adjourned for two weeks now, but we've still been busy. Following Governor Herbert's signature pen, he is nearing the end of his sign or veto period. Lawmakers have been busy too. Many of them spend the weeks after the session in their own communities and districts. They do legislative recaps and wrap-up events to tell their constituents about what they've spent the session working on. And this week we partnered with the Michael O. Levitt Center for Politics and Public Service at SUU to host our own legislative wrap-up panel with three Southern Utah lawmakers. And we recorded it so we could share it with you. We edited it a bit for time, but we'll get into it right now. Enjoy. Thanks, everyone, for coming tonight. And thank you if you listen to our podcast during the legislative session. Uh, So because this is being recorded, we encourage you to laugh, to clap, to to show that you're here, um, and uh, we will no be- No booing. No, yeah, no booing, though. That would hurt our feelings. Um, but lawmakers- Yeah, lawmakers were really busy uh, this session. They passed 533 bills. Those are laws, uh, if Governor Herbert signs them all, that will affect you directly. And uh, it's just a hair shy of their record of 535, Five. which was last year. So every year, they're passing more and more bills. uh, And so here to talk about some of those bills are uh, three lawmakers from the region. Uh, I'll introduce our first guest tonight is Representative Walt Brooks. He's a Republican from St. George, first appointed to the legislature in 2016, serves on the House Transportation and Public Utilities, Energy and Technology Committees, owns a software development company, and is on the Community Emergency Response Team. So welcome. Thank you. (laughs) And then in the middle here we have Representative John Westwood. He's a Republican uh, from here in Cedar City. He has been in the legislature since 2013. Um, He also serves on the House Transportation Committee and the House Economic Development and Workforce Services Committees. He's uh, retired from a career in banking, and he got his start in politics by serving on the Cedar City Council for nine years. So welcome, Representative Westwood. Thank you. you. We should mention that this was uh, Representative Westwood's last session, so he will not be back next year, along with a fifth of the legislature, which has announced retirements this year. So he is going to be our most candid panelist tonight. Um, Rounding out our panel is Senator Don Ibsen, a Republican from St. George. He's been in the legislature since 2009. Uh, He sits on the Higher Education Appropriations and Natural Resources Appropriations Committees, uh, and he owns a trucking company here in Utah. So welcome, Senator Ibsen. So right off the bat, um, we focus a lot, obviously, uh, on things that affect the Salt Lake Valley because we're up there in Salt Lake City, but we want to know what the most significant bill passed this session for Southern Utah was, in your opinion. So we can start with uh, Representative Brooks at the end there. Well, I don't want to steal Senator's uh, thunder because no, it was his right bill. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, one of the bills we passed was to develop some, help the economy grow in, in the rural Utah. And so, you know, I own a software company and any, you can work anywhere as long as you have good internet speeds and, and broadband. And there's a lot of talent out, out in rural Utah that doesn't have those resources. And so there was a, an incentive, and Senator, correct me if anything that I say is incorrect, but incentive for a lot of these larger companies to be able to tap and train some of the resources that are outside of the Wasatch Front. You know, we ha- are expecting double growth here in the next decade or two, and uh, where are they going to drive? I've, I can't already get across the Salt Lake Valley, but being able to utilize 
the resources, the people resources out in, in these areas, because most of those counties, the only thing they export is their kids. And so now there's an opportunity for them to be able to make a pretty good living and live off the Wasatch Front, which is going to help in not only the economies for the counties and for the state, but also for the, the air pollution and everything else. So I, I think that was a significant um, contribution to make sure that Utah as a whole grows and benefits from our, our economy and the policies that we pass. Senator, since that was your bill, do you want to add like the impetus behind that and how, how did you run that before? Was this the first year that you sort of addressed that? No, it's the first year actually. Representative Albright, or Albrecht, excuse me, <coughs> okay. from Sevier County was the House sponsor. That was a House bill. The governor's been pretty emphatic that we do something, and in, in this is an attempt to try to stimulate some. Not only are there rural people that are under, underemployed or unemployed, the, the software companies and the, the Silicon Slopes are dying for employees. They can't hire people. So it, it fills a need both ways, and I, I think it has some real possibilities. And this is also part, you mentioned that the governor about a year ago had uh, created this rural jobs initiative where he mm -hmm. wants to create 25,000 jobs uh, across rural Utah. So again, one, one small puzzle piece of that. What about you, uh, uh, Representative Westwood? What do you think was the most significant bill? I think um, I would lean on an appropriation that we were able to pass where uh, right now our aquifer here in uh, the Cedar Valley is overutilized, and uh, we find that 80% of our water usage is by agriculture. And so, um, Senator uh, Vickers, uh, I worked really close with the Department of Ag, uh, with our different partners here in Iron County, to seek an appropriation that would allow farmers that use uh, sprinklers to modify those sprinklers, the head on those sprinklers, and being that it would not let the water evaporate. It would bring the sprinkler head closer to the uh, crop, the alfalfa in this case, and would allow it to use less water because we're closer and save a lot of water. And so it's an appropriation. It's a, it's a pilot program, if you will. It'll be a big step forward for us, I think. You, you mentioned you got an appropriation for it. Do you, do you remember how much? 220000 So is it easier or hard to get an appropriation like that for more rural parts of our state? Uh, we have to fight for everything we get down here. Yeah? <laughs> yes, we do. We fight for everything uh, to get off the Wasatch Front. So yes, yes, it's hard. So one thing that did get a lot of attention late in this session was this last minute deal with our schools now, which was running a ballot initiative to uh, raise taxes to funnel more money to education. Um, what are your thoughts on that compromise? I don't know if any of you were involved in that very heavily or if you're happy about the fact that you may have headed off this ballot initiative. Well, that was one of the bills I was going to talk about. So, you know, I, the, the tax reform part of that, I think, is important. Uh, I think it's, there was actually two bills. There was the one that, that deals with the tax reform and brings that forward. And then there was the other that puts uh, an item on the ballot for the people to vote for a 10-cent gas tax. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops as it's put on the ballot. 
in addition, if I could add to that as well, too, is that was one of the biggest, if not the biggest tax increases that was going to come to our uh, citizens. And, and it just is not right to single out a group and say, uh, these folks are more important than your public safety, uh, than your other groups. If we uh, allow that to happen, uh, 700 and what I uh, 715 million, million. Yeah. 715 million dollars a tax increase on you uh, we had to make a compromise with them the compromise went forward to see if our citizens are willing to do that you want to add anything yeah I think it was really important that this go through the legislative process instead of the ballot initiative because um, I can't tell you how many people I heard say, well, it's just seven-eighths of one percent. That's so little. But the reality, it would be the largest tax increase. And there was a group that voted no, and, and they stand by their principles of no new taxes. But I, I couldn't do that because I would feel horrible that I could have done something to stop it. And that's what the legislature did as a whole. They got together. They brought in our schools now, told them that they're going to destroy the best economy that we have in the nation by just throwing all these taxes. That's why companies are starting to move here, why we have the best, uh, we're the best um, state for business is because of our, our low income taxes and our low, low sales taxes and, and we want to alter that and change it. And so we did have to find some way and I think it was a good compromise because not only did it lower income taxes and it froze property taxes and so as properties do increase in value, there will be some more monies. But um, everything that you've earned, you you're have to pay less back to the state, which is going to draw more people in. And we also put in, at, as an amendment, the last is a, what we call a circuit breaker. So I live in St. George, downtown, both Don and I do, in, a, in the older part of town, but where the Brigham Young home is in that area. And we have a lot of older ladies on fixed incomes. And so we put in a circuit breaker, so even if their property values do go up, their taxes will not. Because we, we we, we're thoughtful. We go through and vet all these processes. and and the effects that they can have on our economy and our, our constituents and people around, rather than, hey, vote for this great thing, because we love teachers. I'm the only non-teacher in my family. My dad's a teacher, my brother's a teacher, my, my wife even has her teaching certificate from SUU, oh, Thunderbirds. And um, I love teachers, but we also have to be smart about it and make sure that we're not causing damage going forward. And, and I think uh, this ballot initiative had that potential, and so we need to do what we could to make sure that we move forward with some sense. Um, on the topic of ballot initiatives, there were some other pieces of legislation dealing with things like Medicaid expansion, uh, medical marijuana, which the governor actually signed today, a bill that uh, would extend the use of medical marijuana to patients that are terminally ill. Do you think that those initiatives... Well, it's a cannabis. It's not a... Medical cannabis. Right. Yeah. You can't smoke it. It's like... Yeah. 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 Um, do you think that those initiatives have less, may have less steam now that the legislature has acted? Well, I'm not sure, but I think one of the things, the concerns that I have is the medical marijuana bill is structured in such a way that it's really a recreational marijuana bill. They can grow their own. There's segments written into, into that initiative that frankly scare me to death. Mm -hmm. It is only a step away from recreational marijuana if it doesn't complete that loop. I, I'm concerned about how that will affect our quality of life if that's allowed to, to go in. I think we're, we need to be very, very careful what more, we do with that. More broadly, and maybe Representative Brooks, you can handle this, there, there was this criticism, right, that the state is trying to preempt ballot initiatives, not just the, the medical cannabis one, but other ones as well. 
Uh, do you, did you feel that the legislature was making deliberate moves or, or introducing legislation to circumvent what voters might be deciding on in November? Or do you, how do you respond to that I, criticism? I, I don't think that's the case, but no. I think that we listen, and if there's a ballot initiative going out and people are signing it, then that shows that there's someone interested in that. But um, we've, they've been working on these bills. Brad Daw has been working on this for, for years. And that's what our job as legislators are, is to really go through and vet that process of what does it do. So this bill this year um, treated it like medicine. Now, I personally believe that if medical marijuana is medicine, we should treat it like medicine. You get a prescription. You go to the pharmacist. It's very controlled. Um, you don't go get opiates from the neighborhood corner store, you go well, get a prescription. Huh? That's, right. <laughs> like, that's a whole other subject. Or, or any yeah, other different, um, different you know, controlled <laughs> substance that you, that's life-saving medicine. I thought it was interesting that when we're saying, okay, let's treat it like medicine and give people the right to try, especially are in that situation, the people who supported the cannabis um, initiative didn't like it. I said, well, it's life-saving. We're treating it like medicine. Why wouldn't you want that? And I do think that there is another um, goal in theirs in mind. Right. Well, it, recreation. Th this cannabis doesn't have TCH in it. I mean, it it it, it is controlled. And yeah. So it's. We'll yeah. see what voters uh, do this November, right? I think too. <laughs> yeah. uh, to your question too, uh, we uh, passed a bill that would allow us 90 days after um, an initiative is passed. Did that get through? That did not get through. It did not get through. Right. But I, I think that was an important deal. Uh, what you've got to realize, these initiatives, uh, you think once they're passed, they gather uh, so many signatures, initiative is um, put on the ballot, it passes, they th most of our people think that goes into effect right then. And it's got to fit in with our other laws. I mean, it's got to dovetail with our other laws and procedures. So another big theme this year in the legislature was transportation um, and changing how roads and road maintenance throughout the state are paid for. And we're just wondering how that impacts Southern Utah. We heard a lot about toll roads in Little Cottonwood Canyon. That was President Niederhauser's bill. Um, just wondering how people in Southern Utah feel about toll roads. <laughs> How does anyone feel about toll roads? Maybe we should ask the audience. How do you feel about toll roads? I don't think anybody likes toll roads. <laughs> Part of the problem is this highway infrastructure is really waning and we're in trouble and we can't, we can't spend our way out of it. Our rural roads have been neglected. Traditionally, gas tax and fuel tax money is the maintenance money to take care of existing roads. It, doesn't, it, isn't, it isn't set up to build new roads. We built that out of general general fund monies as you know the the I215 through Utah County, we had no federal money in that. It was all paid for by st state funds and it come right out of the general fund. <coughs> and we had to we had to do that to to make that work and that come with a promise that that rural roads would be taken care of and, and quite frankly, I think that that UDOT is doing a pretty darn good job on the rural roads. They're doing a really good job of managing the money we give them to get that done. And I, I think they're to be commended because I think they've done a really good job. And they've done a good job maintaining the roads with keeping them up to, but, up to date. But, but that is money that, um, as President Wayne Niederhauser said, that it's about $600 million that goes to roads every year that we're taking from the general fund that could be going to other things like education. So is toll roads the, the solution? The I, silver bullet? Yeah. 
I don't toll roads know. are not. I don't think they're going to be the solution, and I don't think I don't think there's an appetite to toll as a general solution to it. Now, the, this 10 cent gas tax is to remove earmarks mm -hmm. from sales tax for transportation monies. We we need to be really careful now. UDOT has the has the authority and has the ability to toll roads now. We don't need to give them that. There's, mm -hmm. They already have that. And President Niederhauser wanted to work on figuring out how the people that were using those roads, there was a user fee, and the people that were using those roads in the canyon, that the general <laughs> populace shouldn't have to support that. And that, that that's part of his thinking to, to toll those is to... It's a user fee to the people that use it. To, to toll our roads, <clears throat> is, I, I believe, is anti-commerce again. Uh, there's, you know, Utah's the crossroads of the West. There's lots of transportation that comes, passes through this state that doesn't stop here. And we gotta be careful that we don't set up a roadblock to that because there's other ways to get from the East Coast to the West Coast other than come through Utah. We gotta be careful that we don't build a blockade in our state for that. Because there's a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of businesses that, and vendors and people that supply to the, the trucking business, for example, that will really be hurt if we overtax the, the commerce coming through the state. So we gotta be really careful that, whether it be toll roads or excess fuel tax or whatever it be, we've gotta be prudent how we how we research that, or we'll really hurt our economy. And I think, uh, too, that uh, the in this bill, uh, there was the authority then for UDOT to more strictly enforce the tolls that are in existence right now. Uh, they're not being enforced, and uh, we've, we've got to tighten up there, and those uh, that use those... Um, HOV lanes, whatever, should pay those tolls that are on there, if they have one driver, whatever. So uh, we can do a lot there. See, but we've got to be careful, too. I agree with Senator Ibsen. Uh, we've got to be careful. I, um, I hesitate going to Florida because every road in Florida is a toll road. <laughs> that's yep. true. And, and that's something we don't want to send out now, there. I don't think a, a toll road is going to be a, a good idea. And it's kind of more a myopic approach of what really is the problem. Did, just, did you guys vote? Did you vote for that bill or against that bill? Um, that that bill, be, I did vote for that one. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason was it wasn't because of the toll road part of it. It was how we're going to make some adjustments to the HOV lanes in Salt Lake yeah. City. Because the, the initial plan was raise it to a dollar or raise it up to $4. Mm -hmm. And all you're doing is punishing people who will pay the law. You see nonstop cars coming in and out of that lane. So what type of technologies that are available that we can start making sure that we're monitoring it correctly and making sure that the people that are abusing it are being you know, taken care of properly and those that are paying for it to keep it low. And I, I sit on the IGG, which is Infrastructure and General Government, they look over UDOT, which is a fantastic, probably one of our best run organizations. But we wanna say, what else can we do? It's, it's not just uh, um, vehicles, because it's not the 80s where everybody drove a Chevy truck or an old Ford car that got eight miles of the gallon and gas tax is what paid for it. Um, how does uh, someone use a gas tax to drive a Prius? You know, they don't pay towards it at all, but I'm sure they, they appreciate the roads that are there. And so what do we do? Do we put all the, um, the commerce in the middle of town where everybody has to drive into it? Or 
or what, do, what, do, what are the other approaches? And, and I know uh, Senator Harper was working a lot with Mike Schultz and some others to um, let's, let's help the cities and work with the cities of a plan to make sure that we can do other things to reduce the miles driven. So I just noticed in St. George out in Desert Hills, which is way in the back, they're building a co uh, little commerce center up by the high school. So people don't have to drive clear into St. George or clear over to the mall. They, they can get their goods right there. And I, I think you're gonna see other approaches like that of how we can minimize miles driven per day. Um, there's other approaches to it. And I think a, a user fee might be something that goes down the road, but not like a toll road. It, our whole dynamic is going to change, especially with autonomous vehicles. That's something we worked a lot on during the interim. Yeah. There was a bill that didn't pass this year for autonomous vehicles, correct? <laughs> yep. Well, I, and, and it's true yeah. because, you know, one thing that I really believe is um, states and businesses and economies that are forward thinking, trying to solve what they anticipate may come down, they're the ones that survive. The ones that just struggle with the day-to-day, -day, they get uh, some big problem and it can collapse them. And one thing that I think the the legislature does most of them do is really think ahead of what's going to happen and try to get the groundwork in place so as things come we can handle them um, efficiently and effectively. KB Oil will be glad to know you've noticed their project. One other thing with transportation mm -hmm. is fees were raised on these vehicles that haven't been there uh, before yeah. and that was a big concern with this bill passing but those uh, cars um, weigh a lot uh, compared to the other cars as well, uh, you know, and they use the roads, uh, they should pay their fair share. So, there FYI, was a if you there didn't was a compromise know. reached in that, too. Right. It was and a there lot. Was. There right. was. There was a big compromise. Uh, as part of a overhaul of the UTA governance, uh, they raised uh, registration fees for all vehicles, including electric vehicles, which well, is what they're talking well, actually, about. Well, actually, actually we didn't raise it on the other. On just, the other ones, just we, the we EVs? We okay. worked right. really hard to make sure, because it was going to be a $28 increase in your registration fee. Right. And I, I kind of chuckled a little bit because we're I'm really worried about this property tax. It's going to cost us probably $14 more per year if we own like a $200,000 house. But most of us own two vehicles. And at 28 bucks, that's a pretty high increase in, in taxes. And so that one, we actually got removed out of that bill before it passed. Being in the trucking business, I don't feel too bad for your $28 increase. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you're going to pay for it. So <laughs> we talked about some of the big things that you guys passed, but there's obviously a lot of things that you guys don't get either to vote on or your, your bills. They die at some point throughout the process. So I wanted to talk about intergenerational poverty. Representative Westwood, this is something you pushed, and I believe, Senator Epson, you were a co-sponsor, right, on that? On the, there was a Social Security... That's Senator Vickers, actually. Uh, Senator Vickers, uh, on a Social Security tax credit. Yes. Uh, there was a couple others. There was uh, uh, another attempt to repeal the food tax again. That was this, not one of you, but why is this such a hard issue for the legislature when it comes to tackling intergenerational poverty and, and these, uh, these sort of credits that would help lower-income Utahns? I think uh, the intergenerational uh, poverty... Uh, tax credit that I pushed uh, this uh, that's the furthest it's been pushed uh, but we get to uh, the fiscal note on it and it was over six million dollars and um, these notes like this and bills with a fiscal note have to be prioritized in the last days of the session um, we balance a budget. That's a novel thing. <laughs> but uh, we balance our budget in Utah. And there's some things uh, that we say no to, and, and that's it. But it, it comes down the end. It's a $6 million fiscal note. 
to get some of my representatives and the senators to say, yeah, yes, I'll prioritize that is a very hard thing to do. And it's a tax credit. So it takes money, if it's a tax credit, it takes money away from education, unless we reimburse it from the general fund, which takes away from other uh, programs. Well, it's so, just like anybody's budget, you know, um, how many of you would like to have an extra 10 grand a month? Sure. But what, how many good things could you do? But we have to balance the budget, and it just comes down to there's all these good things, but we just got to figure out what we can do with the money there, because we are not going to overspend. We are going to spend the money that we have and take a portion of that and steal and put it away for rainy day because we know rough days are going to be coming ahead and we want to be able to have something to keep a, our economy as stable as possible. So now, one other bill was the Social Security tax credit right. mm -hmm. uh, that died mm -hmm. as well. I had uh, half my bills die this year. <laughs> uh, How does that feel? And it's, yeah. I know, and that's what I told him, Georgia Beth. I said, you wait till you retire, and you're taxed on your Social Security right now, and when you retire and draw Social Security, you get to pay taxes on it again in the state of Utah. We're only one, uh, we're one of 13 states that tax Social Security. The others do not. And Well, and I want to add that the state of Utah did have quite a big surplus this year. So did. Th you did have a lot of extra money to spend. Did you feel that your colleagues were being stingy? No. Um, I thought, as we've said before, all three of us, that we're methodical. Uh, we research it. I love what we did with our extra money. We paid down debt. Paid we, paid, we paid off our bills. We paid off our buildings going forward that we committed to. I like that. We put our education funds, funded our growth, but we also repaid our savings accounts that we borrowed, and I like that. Uh, we've put into our rainy day fund for education uh, and a rainy day fund for any uh, emergency that we might have in the state. This wildfire last year, $20 million. Is that about right? $20 million the, the for Brian the Brian Head Fire. Mm -hmm that we hadn't anticipated on. That's $20 million that we've got to come up with. We might get reimbursed for part of that, but <clears throat> we might not, too. And you know, you gotta look to next year. Will next year be this good? I can remember when I come, was first elected in 2008, started to serve in 2009, mm -hmm. was when the, the downturn in our economy, we opened, the, we opened the, our budget and cut, we cut $1.3 billion out of that budget in 2009. We opened it twice before we ever started working on the current budget. I don't ever want to have to go through that again. And the state budget then was under $12 billion. It's 17 now. Right. So we've added a lot of growth. You know, we put a lot of money into public education. We've put, in the last three sessions, we've put nearly a billion and a half dollars in, in new money into education. You talk about it being the lowest per pupil spending, but I'm telling you, I think we've done a really good job in putting that first. In fact, in the 2009 deal, when we were cutting budgets, very, that had very little impact on public education. We didn't cut it very much. We cut higher ed, but we didn't cut, we did not cut public education. I'm proud of what we've done with that. I think it's important, too, to know that even though that we had a surplus this year, the whole interim, the whole summer months that we met, 
was going through the budget, scouring it and cutting it. And some groups were able to cut quite a bit um, out of it. Even so, even though we have all the surplus, we still want our groups to run as efficient as possible. And so we did. We cut out a lot of what we felt was maybe aged programs that weren't effective anymore. And I, I know a few of them cut 37 million out of it. The the IGG had like 46 million that was um, we weren't going to use, so we took it out and paid off some debt with it. So there was, even though there's a surplus and there's more money to spend, um, we're not lazy with it. We're making sure that even the money that we're currently spending, that there's going to the projects that we the people, because we're taxpayers too, we want to make sure that our money that's sending up to the state is being used the way we expect it to be used, and that's efficient and conservative and make sure that it's going to the projects and that will be create the best public benefit. Want to do one more question then go to the audience? Sure. Okay, so, we're going to put two of you on the spot here, just <laughs> FYI. So another um, big thing that got a lot of attention early on was um, a statue of Utah pioneer Martha Hughes Cannon is on its way to Washington. Now, if you don't know, each state gets two statues in the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Utah's two statues are Brigham Young and Philo T. Farnsworth, who um, was the early inventor of technology that led to the electric television. So Herbert has signed, Governor Herbert has signed the bill, and it looks like Martha Hughes Cannon, who's an early suffragette, uh, the first female state lawmaker elected in the country. Um, we're about to replace that statue of Philo Farnsworth with a statue of Martha Hughes Cannon. So Not a lot of nay votes on this, except <laughs> these two. And we were going to let you guys just, just defend your vote. Okay, I'm going to. Uh, I love women. My mother was a woman. <laughs> so I, this is all, this is already yeah, really married good. To one. I hope we're rolling on this. Yeah. So I think that Philo T. Farnsworth did more for mankind and, and the success we have today with technology is tied directly to him. And that was the whole thing it was with me. I, I just couldn't, in good conscience, I, that's why I voted for it, because I think he, he contributed more to mankind with the invention of tell You just think what that's done to the technology in this world today to have that. And, and there's other things that he invented as well. And so we need to be very careful there. Those statues are for people that have contributed a great deal. Uh, yes, she was the first legislator. Uh, and deserves the recognition. I'm, we're not arguing that. That is true. She, she deserves that recognition. After all, what she ran for Senate against her husband. She and did. Beat she what? ran she against did her husband against and beat her him. Husband. Mm -hmm. and 1896. Yeah, uh, and all of those are notable and applaudable uh, efforts and everything. But to invent something that's of a critical need in today's world that has lasted the generations, um, I felt uh, deserved to remain. And we were called woman haters. I was called uh, we would not, woman haters. We would not bridge that. Um, no. uh, in a committee meeting, I was called that, and, and uh, it was not right. Well, and and everyone gets a vote. Okay, Representative Brooks, you get the last word on this. Obviously, you, yeah, you yeah. disagree like with your colleagues. I like women, too. I voted for it, and, and probably a little bit approach, because I think what they've said is exactly correct. I mean, the advances that we had because of Farlo is amazing. But um, this is a little St. George anecdotal story that happened. The football field is named the Walt Brooks Stadium. And people ask if it was named after me, and I say yes, because it wasn't named before me. It was actually <laughs> named after my grandpa. And they said, well, what if they change the name 
on that high school stadium? I would say, great, thank you for the honor. You know, and then we move on. And that's what my feeling was, even though that Farlow did a ton, and I think he deserves accolades, and we need to make sure that we still do other efforts to, to show that this gentleman was, man, what a forward thinker. But there's a, a lot of people in, in Utah, and um, I'm okay of saying, let's give someone else a, another uh, swing at the bat or the plate, and let's try it and see what, where we go from there. And I think that Martha, she shows that, what does the most of the nation think of Utah? I think some of them think we still live in covered wagons. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> you know, and our, our wives run around with the apron skirts and cooking out of Dutch ovens. And believe it or not, we like women too and treat them with respect and dignity. And they can run for the legislature and they can do this stuff. And, but I'm, I'm not going to disagree with anything they said because that is very valid points that Farless does. So I think it comes down to where you sit on it. And, and it's unfortunate that these guys got demonized for it because I, I know them and they... They treat women with the most, I, I've seen both of them with their wives, and it's amazing. I can learn to treat my wife better because of the way they, they act towards women. I, I think but, it also goes to show that sometimes it's the things that you don't think will get as much attention <laughs> that end up being the things that, well, uh, that people really care about, Well, I'm surprised we didn't talk about, about the right? Donald Trump highway. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about the Donald Trump highway? Uh, what Are about the Donald Trump? That was going to run through uh, the here, right? Oh. Yeah, well, I guess that didn't wasn't your bill. That died as well. So. <laughs> um, I think it got killed. I don't think it died. No, yeah. okay. I think it got shot down. I think it did get So before we end our program, I just want to, again, say thank you to the Michael Olevitt Senator, uh, Center for Politics and Public Service for partnering with us on tonight's event. A sincere thanks to Mary Bennett and Cammie Matthews for helping us coordinate this. Thank you. Tonight's logistics. Uh, special thank you to our lawmakers. Uh, for taking the time to join us this evening. And for more 45 days, you can catch up on what happened this season, some things you might have missed uh, during the legislative session by going to KUER.org or search for 45 days anywhere you download your podcast. So thanks again for joining us and have a great evening and drive safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.